we saw Akira. Oh, was it good? On the big screen. Silly question, is it good? I've mm. seen it. It's mm. fucking amazing. Film. Yeah, it's awesome to he- actually hear it through. Yeah, proper speakers. Yeah. I was getting yeah, worried. You, you were whining at the Because yeah. <laughs> all the trailers... It better be like this. <laughs> they were all, all the trailers, the sound was only coming from the front two speakers. Right. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I haven't paid, you know what I mean, and come down here to hear it as though I was listening to it. Because it is quite a, a crummy, really it's quite a crummy cinema, the Prince Charles. Too I took my feet shoes high. off at one point, and I swear to God, it felt like oh, my yeah, feet were hanging in semen. Prince Charles, they don't mop the floors. Or that was like disgusting. That. I, I had to go and rinse shit. my feet before going to bed. In case I like, you know brought AIDS back with me or something. Yeah, it socks on, but it was seeped. That's uh, like just osmotic. I don't like stale, gungy cum. <laughs> they show porn at the, the flooring. It's kind of U-shaped. That's to collect all the just collect all the jeans. The seepers' jeans are just like <laughs> clogged. The old, the old, the old hands know, know like to sit on the edge, the edges of the cinema, <laughs> as opposed to the deep end of the pool. Yeah, they just. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. I am Tom, and Hyman, once again, is not with us. But joining me today is Tim. Hi, nice to see everyone. Good to see you, Tim. And uh, also joining us today, Cameron. Hi, everybody. Can you get a little bit closer to the mic there, Cam? Hi, everybody. That's better. And stop touching yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start that again. Mm. <laughs> coming up. <laughs> coming up on today's show. Talking about synthetic alcohol. Could this be the future of boozing? Before that, Angela Merkel admits to making a mistake. Oh. But kicking us off, we're going to be talking about Jeremy Corbyn's children. No, we're not. Well, it's momentum. <laughs> it's momentum, kids, and... Momentum pretty much is Jeremy Corbyn now. Yeah. Momentum are pretty much children. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. All of that and more. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, as I said at the start there, talking about Jeremy Corbyn's children. Momentum kids. Well, should point out the Labour leadership election. That was today. Yeah, Didn't... Corbyn um, came out Trump's again. Yeah, as always. Mm. It's think, funny that come up Trump, people say that. Don't if want if Trump wins the scared. presidency, then it will be like, he will have come up Trump. Trump's. <laughs> it's all like a do, you th- do you think he'll use that? You should write a letter to him and suggest it, see I if think he gives you any royalties. Yeah, I think yeah. it's... Dear Donald. Trump, Trump, it's if almost, you win. It's <laughs> almost like a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy, isn't it? Enough, <laughs> enough about US elections. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm yeah. obsessed with the US <laughs> it's not funny. It's just... <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'm opening my heart to you. <laughs> so uh, the Jeremy Corbyn cheerleader squad, aka Momentum. Oh, I thought you were going to say ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Jeremy Corbyn is Hamas's cheerleader. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But Momentum have started an initiative they call Momentum Kids. Yeah, wasn't it designed to primarily free mothers up from parenting? Yeah, or it's what they call, disturbingly, caring work. Have you noticed this trend of how women say being a parent is actually caring work? Well, yeah, if they want their child to sound simple. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my child needs a carer. And it's weird, don't you think it's a bit weird, though, that they're kind of turning, like, mother-child relationship into employer-employee? 
Um, no, I just think it's people wanting gratification for an otherwise thankless task. Yeah, but I mean, look at it this way. Who's your employer and how do they fire you if they think you're not doing a good enough job? God. They bring child line <laughs> and you get the AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> for, a, for a kid, they just ring up uh, child line, don't they? Or NSPCC. Can you fire my mum? Yeah, my mum's <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, Cameron. Momentum Kids, Momentum, say, primarily designed to free up mothers who are labour activists so that they have more time for going out protesting and... Yeah, political activism, I believe. Yeah, know. and spitting on Tories and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's fine, the idea of allowing mothers who are labour activists, giving them more free time to be labour activists. But it's the, the bit that's worrying people is the maybe indoctrination is that the right word of yeah where they're being like you know led into this fairy tale left-wing view of the world but to be honest with you they're already <laughs> exposed to that level of politics as yeah. it is because they're all taught left-wing ideals and they already get educated partially towards like you know politics and like the different avenues of it but yeah there, i suppose there is a worry that they're going to get pulled onto the hard left yeah. At that age, I think they're fucking, they live in cuckoo land anyway. They like aren't, right pickings. Aren't primary schools kind of left-wing enough already? That's what I was saying. I like, thought you were talking about how the children of parents children who are politically active, no, it passes down, their views will pass down to no, the no, child. No, 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 in schools, I've told you, the, like, the ideals or the goals that they live for is uh, like fair play, treating everyone equally. You know, do you, you do the um, participation awards? Yeah, well, where they all they all hold hands and they cross the finish line together. Thing. No, fuck no, no. We we we. I drill in competition. <laughs> well, you can learn to be a good loser as well as a good winner. Yeah, no one <laughs> likes a dick. So the idea is, mothers will come along to a labour protest. There will be a momentum run crash. Yeah, like or maybe even a daycare centre. So they drop the kids off there. Yeah. Then they pick up a placard, a banner, or what yeah, have you, yeah. and then they go out and protest. So Kids stay behind for like Jeremy Corbyn. So what? Jokes. So <laughs> and surely, but surely there are women at the moment with babies. What do they do at the moment when they go to a momentum rally? It's a tradition in the Labour Party that you have kids to get out of going to CLP meetings and to protest rallies. It's your excuse not to go. Okay. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of remember the uh, uh, was it the BMP? They had. Uh, did they, they have a BMP a, crash? They, yeah. No, they released a children's uh, <laughs> a book, wasn't it? Channel, no, yeah, and it was like a video of like puppets talking about <laughs> Bodicea, okay. and like it ended saying like the important thing was that she was white. <laughs> and it's just remember <laughs> the moral of the story. Yeah, they did a little rhyme, and it ended Bodicea. It was white. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, What's drawn concern though is the idea that they're saying momentum kids. They're going to take in kids as young as three years old and start getting them politically minded. Yeah, tying them to chairs, having their eyes pulled back like in that scene in Clockwork Orange when he's getting brainwashed. They offer various services, including workshops for children. According to the website, some of their workshops and seminars involve everything from arts and crafts to political banner making, how to be a subversive shit in school, and even Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes I saw on there. For when you inevitably get bullied. But <laughs> I don't see so how... So you know how to strangle people and break yeah. their arms. Like, yeah, there's nothing fucking equal about an arm lock. <laughs> but the thing I think, I don't really see how it's any different. Parents are always signing their kids up for, like, mini cults. In, in, a, in a way, if you look at, like... The, the scouts, they're yeah. the biggest fucking my nephew, going. My nephew does taekwondo, that's about... Well, well that's yeah. not really a cult. I don't know, you, you see quite like a few... Woodcraft, types, you that's see pretty quite a few, 
Taekwondo schools, they have a British flag and a Korean flag on the wall. You have to bow to the flag. You have to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Sometimes you even have to learn Korean. Um, Good. That's part of childhood. uh, But I I was going to say, like, the the scouts, you have to, like, make a pledge to the Queen, salute a flag. And don't they have lizard men leaders? I don't see how it's that different from, like, even... There's all sorts of different things. So when Momentum raised their flag, is it the red flag? Probably. Socialist flag, yeah. The rainbow torn flag. Up, be like a torn up Union Jack that they've That's stamped on. That's what a partially lot of burnt. people <laughs> don't realise or forget about Corbyn, that he is actually like really, really, really left wing. The immediate response from the press and from the Twitterverse was one of ridicule because it kind of, um, it brings back memories of Hitler youth, even though Corbyn's not a fascist, obviously. No. Stalin had kids in school pledge allegiance to the Communist Manifesto. Yeah. They had to like learn it off by heart. It doesn't. Like it doesn't sort of sit very comfortably with with most people mixing children and politics. I just don't think it's it's nice. It's like a loss of innocence, really, because you're already like creating division, saying there's people. I think giving who are different them a, you. giving them awareness of it without having to go too deep into it mm. is always good. I mean, exposure, ignorance is the biggest danger not knowing about that's it. That's true. And that kind of breeds adults who are also ignorant of politics and yeah. keep on voting for Corbyn. But then I think that's a question more of like mainstream education should it's, it's, teach kids about politics, but it does not very the, much the partisanship. That... Yeah, it does very much seem that, you know, the people that are pushing forward this this crash system, Momentum Kids, seem to not be aware of their history and the parallels that are drawn with the things that you mentioned. New, they're, um, well, we'll come on to that in a sec, but I've struggled trying to figure out what is Momentum, like what are they actually about? And it, like I said at the start, they just seem to be like a cheerleader squad yeah. for Jeremy Corbyn. What's, mm. their, what's their end game? Well, I think it's just to make sure the Labour Party is filled with only people that love Jeremy Corbyn. So mm. all the, they think anyone who isn't, a fan of Corbyn is a Blairite, and they just want everyone like that out of the party. And uh, it was founded by Jeremy Corbyn, some would say his best friend, John Landsman, who ran Corbyn's campaign successfully. Mm. And then two weeks after that, he started this group, Momentum. Uh, I think it was the idea was to encourage grassroots activism amongst Labour members and to capture oh, the high spirit that Jeremy Corbyn brought in with his cult of personality, which is completely inexplicable to me. Because well, he seemed quite as a wet fish. Yeah, well, no, he's I, a bit of a wet blanket, isn't he, in some ways? I think it's less about Corbyn and more about the legacy of Blair. Blair is seen as a completely toxic mm. asset to the Labour Party now. He's, he's people who supported him will now call him a war criminal, you know. So there, there is a sort of, you know, I think Corbyn's just surfed that wave of desire that the party members had to get as far away from Blair as possible. Yeah, I think they people genuinely want Labour to be a left-wing option, whereas right now they see it as like a centre-right, if not Tory, yeah, yeah. option. But Momentum, there was that Channel 4 Dispatches documentary that was meant to be kind of damning, and it didn't. It revealed nothing that we didn't already know. We know Momentum want to deselect MPs they don't like, who they think are not big enough supporters of Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. Well, maybe once, maybe once Corbyn sort of consolidated his power and his cabinet, um, I think I, I saw a clip from that dispatches program and their main desire was to get rid of all the people they thought would stab Corbyn in the back. Like Jess Phillips. Yeah. She uh, said she'd knife him in the front. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, maybe once they feel he's not threatened anymore, they'll sort of disappear into the ether. The fear about momentum is that they are Trotskyite entryists trying to tunnel their way into the Labour Party and change it from within. Mm. I think that's 
true to a certain extent, but the problem is, and I think Cameron, you touched on this about how uh, momentum people, the Corbynite supporters, they don't really seem too politically minded. They don't really seem to be up to speed on like political, uh, like the yeah, literature. Failed, and, yeah, failed socialist revolutions. They've got no idea about them. They can't harken back to the lessons of history. Many don't even know who Trotsky is. Yeah, I saw that video where momentum shot it themselves. Yeah, going around asking momentum supporters, do you know who Leon Trotsky is? And they're all like, oh, I don't know. But that's all. Yeah, they're political lightweights, aren't they? Really? Mm. I think they're just. You could just sum them up as anti-capitalists. They just they see a world where some people have more than others, and they decide, well, that's capitalism's fault, so we hate capitalism. Mm. That's about as deep as their political philosophy goes. Corbyn's a bit of a weird one, isn't he? Like when he's uh, on a protest rally, yes, he sounds kind of impressive. He's a bit rousing. Yeah, he's he's a good orator, that's for sure. Well, not in the Commons, though. No, he he doesn't he doesn't do the whole. Uh, Prime Minister's question time thing very well. He's got the charisma of a doorknob when it comes to like PMQs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Which, outside of that, he's he's pretty good. And I can't explain. He seems very popular with with the ladies, or at least a certain <laughs> subsection of of womanhood. Silver, Silver Fox. Well, whenever you see whenever you see him out on these um, appearances, <laughs> going around places, he always has like a sort of retinue, like a a, a harem, bevy of women, around yeah, him, yeah, surrounding him, like some sort of human shield. I could imagine him like dressed up as a milkman against like, assassination. Yeah. You know, imagine uh, him dressed up as what milkman going around nineteen seventies, <laughs> just fucking all of the women when the husbands are at yeah. work. I think that maybe that's why the momentum crashes going to take off because there are a lot of women who like him yeah. Yeah. I mean a problem the Labour Party have <laughs> it's really like deep insightful there isn't it yeah, women, women women like, like him, him. <laughs> women have babies <laughs> uh, one have one <laughs> But like a, but as I was saying, like maybe uh, if he if he sort of aims for the, the female part of the electorate, maybe well, he fucked that up when he tried doing that. How? When well, he tried um, to introduce uh, segregated carriages. Oh. <laughs> Which, yes, I am in total favour of segregated carriages Fucking under the proviso God. that men can only use the men carriage, women can only use the women carriage. What about LGBTQ? Oh, the transgender. Yeah, transformers. They can ride on they the roof. Get- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got a topic there. I know. I had to sign up for a course this week. One of the questions was, what uh, what you... sexual uh, persuasion are you? And another one was, what gender are you? Have you always been this gender? Please, <laughs> please uh, write normal. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's like the, the joke of it. However many different options they ask you, the last option is always other. other. <laughs> <laughs> Catch all term, yeah. yeah. But uh, the problem for the Labour Party when it comes to momentum, momentum are doing everything legally, all above board, mm. and they're democratic. Yeah. Which is like a principle of the Labour Party. Yeah. So it's like they can't do anything about momentum. Mm. They just kind of have to sit there and take it. Mm. Well, it's the whole... Take, take that momentum. It's just it's just the sort of overarching uh, feel. The establishment is in a panic because, you know, the ground is shifting very rapidly. Like what happened with Brexit, the establishment didn't expect that to happen. No, not at they all. probably didn't expect Corbyn to, to rise to prominence. No one expected Trump either. No one, yeah. No one expects it when it happens, so... The year of populism. Yeah. And basically, the, the establishment is, is reacting very badly to it. And that's why there's a lot of anti-Corbyn sentiment in the media and... 
Another thing that doesn't really help, the Corbinites, the Corbinistas. Themselves, yeah. Yeah, they've got like a really, I would call it conspiratorial mindset, where they view everything, anything that doesn't go Corbyn's way is the result of a conspiracy against Corbyn. The whole leadership coup against Corbyn. This came about because Theresa May, she let it out into the ether that she might call an early election, which she did to scare the shit out of Labour. And it did scare the shit out of them. And they were like, oh my God, we have to get rid of Corbyn now. If she calls an early election, say like, like middle of 2017 hmm. we can't have Corbyn be the party leader going into it they staged a vote of no confidence yeah but the Corbynites the Corbynistas they believe oh it was done on the behalf of a private company that there was a private company that hates Jeremy Corbyn and they initiated the coup against him and it's like no man even even some members of the trade unions hmm. don't like Corbyn and they think if he go if he's the leader going into an election the Tories are going to win hmm. so even some of the trade unions want rid of Corbyn but yeah h- however popular Corbyn is he'll never be popular enough to win an election because what happens come 2020 because uh like we say corbyn's won the leadership election he's won it twice yeah just over a year now his yeah. mandate increased marginally not massive amount yeah. but when i say when if he loses in the next general election his supporters they're not going to accept oh okay it's because the country doesn't like corbyn they don't like his policies like you say he can't win an election he has to go mm. they're not going to believe that they're going to believe Rupert Murdoch cost us the election. Yeah. The Daily Mail, the big, big farmer cost us. Owen Smith, he made a call into Glaxo Smith Klein, do you know what I mean? And they pulled a favour to cut to make sure Corbyn didn't win the election, do you know what I mean? There's going to be a big conspiracy theory mm. and they will insist that Corbyn stay off. Yeah, so I think really Labour's sort of fucked because, like I say, if, if the next general election isn't until 2020, Corbyn's going to be in his mid-70s then. Um, he might not even want to... That doesn't seem to bother people, though, that he's old. Yeah, I'm saying it might bother him, though. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of hard to campaign when your hip's not working. Yeah. The Labour moderates and the right of the Labour Party, they have to accept now this is Jeremy Corbyn's Labour. They don't have any leg to stand on to deny that fact. So what are they going to do? They don't want to split. They don't really want to support Jeremy Corbyn. So do they they just sit back for the next three, four years and do fuck all? Let SNP be the official opposition? (laughs) No. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I think they're gonna just work very hard on. I don't know. It's in, in a way, Labour. They it can go two ways. It can either completely dissolve and collapse, which seems which seems like the most likely thing, mm. or they're going to use it as a sort of tabula rasa, you know, fresh ground, a chance to reinvigorate and restart everything again. But I, I actually think that that just just the core policy and the core people in that party. I think it's going to go down. Talking about going from one mistake to another, Labour. <laughs> they might have made a mistake in re-electing Jeremy Corbyn. Politician this week acknowledged that she made a mistake. One Chancellor Merkel. <laughs> All right, more on that coming up in segment two. You may recall last year little thing called the refugee crisis, though some people called it economic migrant crisis. No, what happened? There was this war in Syria. <laughs> Assad was dropping bombs on his own people, and so Syrians were fleeing. They were fleeing into Europe. Traitors. And uh, do you remember Angela Merkel? She stood atop of a cliff with her arms open wide. She made this declaration that anyone who ended up in Germany claiming to be from Syria would be granted automatic asylum. And uh, I think she was expecting about 800,000 Syrians to show up. I think it was like 1.2 million showed up in Germany Mm. in the span of like a few weeks. Mm. And uh, earlier this week, reports came out that Angela Merkel had admitted she'd made a mistake 
in what's the like the common parlance i guess is like opening up the floodgates in german you say entschuldigung what does that mean pardon me <laughs> sorry mate my bad my bad <laughs> <laughs> So this admission came after there's been these regional elections in Germany and uh, Angela Merkel's CDU, the Christian Democrat something, they've been getting their asses kicked. And what's really worrying people is that a political party called AFD, I don't know the German, but I know it translates into a, a, an alternative for Germany. They've been making large gains. And it's kind of worrying. Like We were at a point where we thought, you know what, Europe's kind of done with the far right. That's an issue that's never going to come back. Mm-hmm. But why why does why does being on the right right side of the the fence sort of have to be Nazi? Far right. That's the thing. You can't be right. You're far right. People wouldn't vote for them if they were properly Nazi. Yeah, their leader is Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for the first time, a far right party they gained seats in the Berlin State Parliament. Yeah, it's not like she's lost her position as Chancellor. No, I think the actual general elections are next year. Yeah, but this is a pretty big indicator of the way things are going. So was it a mistake throwing open her arms and saying, yes, Syrians, all Syrians, welcome? Well, you ask me, I think it's a mistake. If you ask her, she'll say it was a mistake because she's admitted it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake. Cam, what do you think? Was it a mistake? I think it's a cleverly played political move to kind of apologise for the state of the, like, the realm or whatever but at the same time she was appeasing everyone she was, so she was like admitting like there were some errors in the build up to it but at the same time she's still saying it was the right thing to do in the sense yeah, that Germany was still welcome to it's a misconception the press when she said uh, I made a mistake last year the press ran with that they translated it as oh it was a mistake to let so many refugees in and that's not what she was saying was a mistake well, she was saying uh, her mistake was not selling the policy enough not selling it in the right way and convincing people that it was the right thing to do. Well, that was the thing, like, in terms of policy, was it a humanitarian decision or an economic decision? Because it's it's, mm. it's it's well known that Germany did have a declining population of working uh, Ageing demographic problem where there's too many old Germans and not enough young Germans. Yeah. I, I Are think... you being a bit cynical here? You're no, saying no. she didn't do it out of the kindness of her heart. She did it more to solve, to like, a short-term fix to a long-term problem. Well, of course, like I say, the, 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 if, if, if it was a fix to this population demographic problem then you won't actually get the results for a generation because you need all these people to have children to, to fill those roles. But selling it as a humanitarian thing, you know, every every anyone with a right right mind agrees that if someone's in need, you should, you know, provide for them. But realistically, to, is- to do it to do it with, with absolutely no constraint or control like like she did. That that that's the mistake. Where she literally did fling the doors open. She should have just opened one of the doors. Yeah, completely. And be standing there with a clipboard, just checking. A bit yeah, more. she yeah. underestimated how many. She didn't underestimate. The idea was, the, the kind of big debate last year was, oh, look, you've, you've got to stop the drowning. You've got to stop the refugees drowning in the Mediterranean. But the contradiction is, if you say to them, yes, come, keep coming, yeah. more and more of you, yeah, yeah. there's going to be more drownings. Yeah. So, like, Australia had a similar problem about 10 years ago, and the way they dealt with it was to completely close the borders and make it clear to anyone climbing into a dilapidated boat to try and get into Australia was to say, listen, don't even bother trying, because even if you get to Australia, we'll just send you straight back. Yeah. We won't process your application or whatever, we'll just send you straight back. And that's how they stopped refugees and migrants drowning off the coast of Australia. Yeah, it's like cruel to be kind sort of thing. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's one of those issues where you want to do the right thing, but you have to look after yourself first. You know, it's, it's like taking it down to a, a singular, like, human-to-human level. 
you know, you might let someone who was like a refugee from war, they were walking down the street in rags covered in blood. You'd let them into your house, you'd clean them up, feed them, look after them for a couple of weeks. You wouldn't necessarily keep them forever. What? Yeah, I can kind of understand that. Yeah. Where like it, it, you kind of empathise with these people and you want to help them, but at the same time, the scale is something that you're not prepared for. And will cause problems. You don't think it's a case of we've just kind of stopped caring? No, I don't think that we stop caring. I mean, I think Britain, for one, is a very charitable country which gives money often throughout the year to... Yeah, David Cameron's stance was, no, no, don't take refugees in. Yeah, keep Just them there. Just pay, give aid. Yeah, because sometimes they're actually better off in other countries as opposed to ours in terms of circumstance and prospects of being able to survive. I think there was a different mentality World War Two, especially when it came to um, Jewish refugees. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but you kind of need to update that level of politics. That was a long time ago. You need to bring it into the times. And again, with World War Two, it was always they were going to go back after the war finished. It's different over here. It's different now because they're not refugees, they're migrants. It's, it's different. Well, the Syrians are refugees, but the misconception is the, the Syrian refugees that are arriving in Europe are the poor and the destitute, and they're not. They're middle-class Syrians. They're Syrians who are well off enough that they could afford to get out of Syria. Well, the Syrians who, they're Syrians who sort of got to Turkey first. Mm. which is a safe country, and then they've yeah. travelled from Turkey. And of course Germany, well, the EU right now are paying Turkey to not let anybody in to yeah. Europe. To be harsh and realistic, the second they leave Turkey, they stop becoming a refugee, and they start becoming an economic migrant. That, I think, because Merkel... Harsh, but true. She pointed that out, that the Dublin Agreement, it's unfair to countries like Greece and Italy, mm. where most of the refugees are landing in hundreds of thousands. And the idea is, well, the Dublin Agreement is whatever co- safe country you get to first, you have to claim asylum there. Yeah. Italy and Greece can't cope with the numbers. I think she's right when she says you've got to spread the problem around Europe. I think that's fair. But my point earlier was about, um, you're right when you say there's an issue with the Syrians that are coming over are the educated well-off middle class they have vocational skills mm-hmm. and so the cynics are saying oh merkel did it just to get these young vibrant workers to take care of her aging demographic problem but i think tim's right in the sense that once syria's settled down they're gonna need all of the syrians that left the educated middle class ones syria needs them to come back but i venture at least half of them won't go back half of them will think well look i'm in a richer country Mm. with um, a more stable, it's not a lawless shithole. Or even worse, like, they might think, oh, I can make more on fucking benefits in this country <laughs> sitting around doing nothing than I would working The voice month. of the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people over coming there. over from Syria, they're not the poor, they're the people that could afford to travel over here in the first place. Okay. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. yeah, they always say like, oh, I had to give this guy like six grand to sit on a dinghy with 12 other people yeah. from Libya. So Six grand, why don't you get the fucking aeroplane? <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, return flight, yeah. 700 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Still jump off at Heathrow and claim asylum. I think Merkel has been faced with the reality she is part of a small oligarchical is that a word? She's part Oligarchy. of a small yeah, she's part of a small elite that run Western Europe, the elected leaders. That sounds like a conspiracy. Well they're globalists. They want maybe not necessarily one world government, but at the very least right now they want a European super state. And they uh, they think the idea of the sovereign nation state is outdated. And it's like when it comes to ideas being outdated, a minority of people don't get to declare that. An idea is outdated when the majority of people recognise it's even no longer applicable or it's obsolete. And uh, she's being confronted with the reality that the masses are more nationalist than they are globalist. They like 
their ethnicity. Yeah. They like their borders. Yeah. They like having, they like their country. I don't think that will ever go. The nation, Na- like, na- the love nationalism. Because yeah. you, you get it even within countries like North versus South, you know, London versus, North London versus South London. Yeah, you if know. you ain't from Dagenham, you yeah. can fuck off. Arsenal and, <laughs> Arsenal and Tottenham. It's, it's a fundamental human thing. We always have these nations. It's, it's what gives us colour and character. Did you see that video? I think it was from about three, four years ago, where Merkel's party won an election, and one of her colleagues is up on the stage oh, yeah. with her, and he's waving these German flags, flag, yeah. mm. and she like yanks it out of his hand, Nein! and she's shaking her head at him, and it's like I, was, I watched it, I was like, "What the fuck is that about? Like, mm. what's wrong with waving a German flag? That doesn't make any sense." I think globalists like Merkel, they tried to dampen patriotic sentiments. By trying to vilify anyone who is patriotic about their own country. And in like, it's backfiring now. Yeah. People are turning to the far right. They're rejecting her. Yeah, didn't they get a rise of like 14%? They now have seats in the Berlin of state parliament. It's worrying, isn't it? For the first time. Mm. But how come we're seeing the rise of the far right in Europe? We're not seeing it in Britain. No, exactly. Sorry. I think a lot of the momentum people are saying the far right's on the rise in Britain and Polish Polish people are being used as footballers in in Essex. (laughs) Not as severe, comparatively. Apparently. Apparently England's gone far right ever since Brexit. Because people would say UKIP are far right. I don't really... I don't think they are. They're they're just kind of libertarian, really. They were... They had their kind of white nationalist side curbed in the years leading up to the EU referendum. But look at the BNP. The BNP are pretty much dead. They're gone, right? Yeah. In Europe, the way they try and deal with the far right is to ignore it, to pretend they don't exist. Yeah. And that... La, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> exactly. And in Britain, what we did is we gave the leader of the BNP, Nick Griffin, a platform on national TV watched by millions. Yeah. And, and he, he made a... Com- himself. He made a complete ass of himself. And that, after yeah, that, the support finished. for the BNP just... Yeah. Yeah, they and disappeared. Th- something I've noticed, like, travelling to different countries in Europe is honestly, compared to a lot of Europeans, Britons are, are the least racist people. I've, I've been in Sp- selection bias, though? Maybe, but I've, I've seen people like, I've been in Spain and heard, overheard Spaniards talking and like being openly racist to, to mm. like people in the group I was with. Yeah. But they thought I couldn't understand what they were saying. Just normal Spanish people. And um, I, I just, in, in, just in general conversation and stuff, people are a lot more openly sort of racist in Europe. They are, just the way they speak. Yeah. Whereas in, in Britain, we're too polite. <laughs> so yeah maybe the far right is finding it easier in Europe are we repressed racists the far right has more of a history in Europe definitely doesn't he you know a lot of these countries have had fascist rulers more history of success you know, and like, I personally I do France. put that down this is the one defence the first past the post system has the extreme right the extreme left under first past the post they can't get a look in under PR they get seats and then once they're there, once they're in Parliament, you can't get them out again. It's really hard to get rid of them. We have a platform to speak to from as well. Even if you are worried about UKIP being far right, Trey's, Trey's May, she's completely undercut them with all like, oh yes, Brexit definitely means Brexit, it's definitely leave. She's undercutting them and trying to, she's making sure no Tories slip off and go vote UKIP. Yeah. So yeah, in Britain, we don't have to worry about the far right at all, really. Hmm. Not an argument for complacency, but no, it's, it's true though. You you, you you get the feeling that Theresa May's <laughs> that you get the feeling that Theresa May's more to the right than Cameron was, don't you? He was more centrist. She's like a little bit more to the right. She's making a big deal about the fact she's not as rich as David Cameron, yeah. and she her but cabinet very, isn't as rich. Very, very, very her whole cabinet's not as rich as David Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very few people are actually. So moving forward, is is this the end of? Uh, 
Angela Merkel, she'd done. She had a good run. She did, very long run. Great run. I think um I think I think it's 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 the beginning of the end for her, definitely. Yeah, um, I don't think she's gonna disappear and, that and, soon. And like I say, it, not just internally in Germany, but I'm sure there's a lot of, um, so like Greek people and Hungarians and other people in Europe who would be glad to see her go because she created a big problem for them with all these people en route to Germany. Yeah, because she is the de facto leader of the EU. Yeah, and but she wasn't elected. And that was like a whole problem with the EU and this whole super state thing where you get these people making decisions that affect people in other countries from their country and yeah. you, absolutely no say in it. You pretend... The poor people that are getting screwed by your policies, they just mm. don't exist. Yeah. And then you don't have to worry about them. I think You're never in the wrong. It's easy when you just... Yeah, I think it's great. I don't think that whoever replaces her is going to be like the next Hitler. <laughs> I don't think they're going to let that happen. There might be a bit more to the right, but no, I think I think people have had it with this whole sort of... The last sort of 20 years worth of globalism. But yeah, it seems, it seems that the sort of left-wing policies have actually created more right-wing uh, sentiment it's the opposite of their original goal it's quite quite ironic really there's a weird paradox especially when it comes to britain maybe i don't know quite so much about western europe but as the culture becomes more and more left-wing the populace tend to vote for right-wing parties anyway it feels like we're running out of steam on this one synthahol <laughs> yeah let's have some synthahol to wake ourselves up yeah let's try and perk ourselves up with a bit of synthetic alcohol mm. Future of boozing! Segment three. Now, those of you who like taking your recreational drugs, you might remember the name Professor David Nutt. Do either of you remember who that guy is? No. Yeah, he was uh, New Labour's drug policy advisor, wasn't he? That He was the drug czar. He was the guy that New Labour brought on board to actually advise them on what their drugs policy should be. And of course, he famously came out with the statement that alcohol was a far worse drug than ecstasy, MDMA, and even cannabis. And uh, he advocated a position of you should just decriminalise almost all drugs. And uh, that got him fired. That'll teach him. Yeah, but for the last six years, he's been advocating for what's called synthetic alcohol. Cam, what does it promise to do? It promises to completely remove hangovers and ensure that drinkers will only get tipsy rather than legless. Plus, you can take a pill, which uh, completely, you know, gets rid of the but that's, effects. Yeah, that's a good problem. Within like, an hour. But it's, yeah, but it's, you drive your way home, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But it's not like getting fucked like you would on alcohol, because it says it's um, a derivative of Valium. Yeah. yeah. So it gives you sort of Valium-like effects, which yeah. is different from, you know, it's different if you take six pills of Valium than if you have six pints of Stella. It's different. It's, you can't really call mm. that getting pissed, getting fucked, can you? You won't want to sort of dance know. and smash stuff up if you've, if you've had loads of this synthetic alcohol. You'll just sit there and be quiet. Yeah, because I don't run. know about you guys, but different drinks have different effects on oh, me. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, gin turns me into an even bigger cunt. Oh, wow, that's some... That's quite impressive. Yeah, see, I insulted myself before you did, so, you know. Whiskey makes me takes away your edge. <laughs> still gave you another kick. Yeah, no, no, you just sound like a prick. Just, you know. No, 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 it's like, whiskey makes you frisky. Whiskey makes me want to beat up my dad. Beer makes you queer. Gin <laughs> makes you... Well, it's like the ten, <laughs> ten, ten Commandments of Drinking. No, but, but Tom's <laughs> you right. You pour it down Tom, from Tom's Mount right. Sinai. D- different drinks do have different effects on your, your no. mood. Tequila. There, there, there's a reason why, why the nickname for Stella is, is Wife Beater. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I think I think people wanting a a Valium buzz will probably just already be taking fucking. Well, the thing is, it's just one ingredient of Valium. So I mean, okay, 
on its own. The it good part. Yeah, possibly the key ingredient. Because, yeah, it's true. Drinking drinking does make you more relaxed. It also mm. makes you more confident. Yeah. It can make you more sort of cocky, maybe creative. But Gives you the beer goggles. Yeah. Will this have the I'd same effect? I don't, I don't think it will have the same effect. I'm very wary of these well, I think we need things. to try it before we can judge it. I like my fermented sugars. Your, your mm. bacterias. Yeah. I don't want synthetic alcohol. Would you at that. least be willing to try it if it actually ever, if the government ever got out of the way? Of course it is. It's it a drug to market. Tim will be on it. I, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Just like I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of these like... Legal highs. Newfangled legal highs. Yeah, you have no, no but they're dangerous. Them. Bath salts and all that stuff. Synthetic cannabis, no thanks. There's no way of telling that. That's the thing. Um, I think synthetic's worse than the natural. Any, any, anywhere, any. I'd be willing to try it to see what it's like. Yeah, and of course, um, I would go. I'd go at it with that kind of scientist mindset of trying this. Oh, just, just a little tipsy, eh? We'll see about that. Can you buy it though? No, it's not released yet. But it's so. Is yeah. this like a big business opportunity in 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 the offing? Just well, yeah, we we need to get past like you know UK laws before being able to anything like that because it would be considered yeah. a drug this is why david nutt professor nutt he's trying to he's been doing it for about the last six years now of trying to get synthetic alcohol in the public's consciousness make them aware of it right now the government regulations are kind of preventing synthetic alcohol from coming to market in the same vein that they tried to stop e-cigs of course but yes. that didn't work in yeah. the end did yeah. it have you noticed cameron these days the stigma is not there around e-cigs i remember the first when i first started seeing people using e-cigarettes they would cover it up completely in their hands okay so like no one yeah, could yeah, see yeah, what yeah. they were doing and it immediately arouses suspicion yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but they've got the when they've got the huge chunky ones these days like, like boxes, the size of a person's fucking palm yeah i know you can get small ones as well but i see a lot of people with these like big ones yeah that's because like, it's almost like a pipe but the pens are they're unreliable they leak yeah i've got that's one why of the really seeing, ones you're seeing the bigger ones more because they're more reliable they don't leak as much okay. but the government tried its best to stop e-cigarettes and liquid nicotine being available and they couldn't do it because the public want healthier options mm. and that's what synthetic alcohol potentially could be sold as um, yeah so the vast majority of us, we do drink responsibly. But hey, but you've got to remember there's those few whose lives are ruined by alcoholism. Yeah, well read. Next time you won't be doing this <laughs> shit. <laughs> but James, James, around around how many people per year do you think die? Well, isn't it 9,000 deaths due to alcohol every year? That many? That yeah. must cost a lot. How much must that cost? <laughs> 21 billion a year? No. That's just in the UK. Wow. <laughs> but I think 11 billion, that alone, is on the NHS costs of... That's just on pumping, pumping people's stomachs. Yeah. yeah. People smashing bottles yeah. over each other's Yeah, yeah. fixing drunk women's broken jaws ankles and, and yeah. jaws. <laughs> but I love it! <laughs> Wife Peter. Stella Artois. Fuck off, Tracy! It's not my baby! <laughs> so five twins, they're getting called Stella and Artois. Yeah, that'd be good. Good name. <laughs> no, they're dogs' names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, synthetic alcohol could realistically be a, the saviour oh, yeah. for well, a lot of alcoholics. Well, yeah, I suppose so. But if I think they like the you... hard stuff. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think in terms of, like, the binge drinking culture in Britain? We do tend... I think it's, it's just it's great. Because we don't really tend to drink just to get a little tipsy. No, you drink to get drunk. Yeah, the only time I'll drink to get a little tipsy is if I've got somewhere to be. Yeah. in a couple of hours yeah. and i'm only in the pub or the bar just to kill some time yeah and it's 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 very sort of socially acceptable and even sort of encouraged 
But to get messy. To get messy, because you're sort of going to work on Monday, and they'll be like, oh, how was your weekend? Messy. And you'll be like, oh, I got completely shit-faced. I got really pissed, and I fell down the stairs, and I... I, I think sh- I killed a I, nun. Yeah. <laughs> and then and the guy go like, oh, yeah, that was fucking good job. a penguin. Good job, mate, good job, mate. But I reckon if you were, like, maybe in a different country, and they were like, ah, oh, morning, Jacques, how was your weekend? He was like, oh, I got completely pissed, fell down the stairs, and shut myself. He'd <laughs> get, like, the sack, you know. Whereas over here, he'd probably What's get, he'd probably get promotion. <laughs> so in cool. Europe... They have a view in Europe of us that we're so emotionally repressed. That's why we always go out drinking to loosen us up a bit. Oh, yeah. We need the booze to loosen up, whereas most Europeans And then promiscuity comes out. (laughs) This, when it comes to binge drinking culture, obviously synthetic alcohol doesn't really have much to offer your average binge drinker because... If you can only get a little bit tipsy, mm. then like, you want you the think, hard stuff. Depends how much it is. If it's like half the price of alcohol, mm, yeah, true. Like if, if it's less than like white lightning. But do you think it's um, the case that in Britain, getting completely legless and waking up with the hangover is part of the drinking experience? It's part of the British culture. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're, you're, chips. you're not British until you've worn a traffic cone over your head like a fucking crown. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just we're just stuck in in the past, and the way that that people get their kicks and highs is is changing, and uh, we just can't accept it because we're used to this sort of natural thing where you ferment some fruit and you get something that will make you feel funny. We're just too used to that, and the sort of thought of taking an artificial chemical in a sort of measured way to change your perception. Yeah. That becoming a mainstream thing is quite a weird sci-fi futuristic sort of thing, isn't it? It, it might just be a, the way of the future. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. Oh, actually, should really ask just quickly, this was the biggest news story this week. Brangelina. Uh, do we care about this at all? Guys? Yeah, I really like Jennifer Aniston. Me too. So you're, I think she's great. You're yeah. happy that they, uh, Brad and Angelina broke up then, yeah? Well, in a way, it was uh, Jennifer Aniston always kind of believed that her close circle of friends always thought that Angelina Jolie was a bit of a manipulative bitch. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, correct answer is, I don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, I think, well, I think it is a bit weird that people were kind of living through Jennifer Aniston and laughing at Brad and Angelina when I think Jennifer Aniston went through a painful divorce herself maybe she has a bit of empathy I don't know but whatever that's another topic well I saw a headline I saw a headline that said the residents of Aleppo were, were devastated at the news <laughs> <laughs> Brad and Angelina what right. no it was yeah. meant to be a fairy tale Hollywood romance how can this war get worse <laughs> <laughs> anyway, why ladies... is the world so dark <laughs> anyway ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for joining us Until next time.